Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's worth pointing out before the full record starts here that we got the news that the Wales against Austria playoff game being confirmed for the 24th of March literally two minutes before we finished recording so um, we haven't deleted anything we haven't changed anything we've kind of left things as they are as is it kind of happened so just to add a little bit of context to why we talk about the Ukraine situation and, and what that may mean for Wales um, for a little bit longer at the start the news came through as I said right at the end so just to bear that in mind thank you very much for listening and here is the full pod Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. We have got, having had what we thought was going to be not much to talk about in this episode, we've got absolutely loads to discuss. So we are looking forward to getting, to, getting stuck into sorry, a lot of different topics. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by Ruth. Hi, Ruth. How are you doing? All right. You? How are you doing? I'm not bad, Tar. I've had a full recovery from COVID, which is uh, which is a win, and uh, hopefully, well, I'd say go, hopefully, we've gone back to work this week, so hopefully nothing goes dramatically wrong uh, and halts that. But um, I think there's a, a lot going on in the world of football, rather than us talking uh, waffling about, I don't know, the uh, the weird outpost that you're recording from this week, uh, or whether I've got a cough or not. So uh, let's get straight into it. I mean, I'm, I'm being quite jovial there. Um, I think. It's going to be a kind of a, a difficult topic to talk about in a lot of ways today that we're going to start with. We're going to talk about um, the obviously the World Cup playoffs and, and how the Ukraine-Russia situation kind of impacts us. I, I, I just I, I want to speak on, on behalf of both of us here and just say we recognise the importance and severity of this. We are not placing football or the priorities around it above the realities of, of war and the situation that's, that's happening in the, between these two countries. We 100% recognise um, this is a horrible and awful situation. We are just here to talk about football, however, so please just be aware that that is obviously what we're here to talk about. It doesn't mean that we are prioritising the football over the Russia and Ukraine situation uh, in any way. I'm, I'm, I don't know if you've got anything to add to that, Ruth. No, I mean, it's just... It- I've actually, I've, I've thought long and hard about whether we should be discussing this at all, really, to be honest. I, th- I've, I, I think it's quite, it's quite difficult to have conversations around football at the minute, given what's going on. Um, but equally, not equally, far, far lesserly, um, there are, there are questions that the situation has raised, which have a football lean and so that's obviously what we're going to be talking about. But, you know, going back to Klopp's famous quote about it being the most important, football being the most important of the unimportant things, I think this is a reminder that the unimportant things really are very unimportant, aren't they, on the scale of things? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I just want to be clear, if we talk about things um in any sort of context here, I, I just want to just reiterate, really, that the most important thing is not this. I think we are just talking about the importance of this in the context of football, not uh, in real life. So, with all that said, um, it's obviously a terrible situation that the Ukrainians find themselves in. Um, I think we should address the fact very briefly that the, the, the Russians have basically been banned from UA from FIFA, so Poland have got to buy through Um I think it's important to recognise that the FAW were quick to say that they would not face a Russian team on any level. I think that's really important. It was good of them or great that they came out and said that before UEFA and FIFA um, kind of made their decision. Um, it obviously does raise interesting questions around the playoffs. The Ukraine-Scotland game today was officially postponed. I think the dates they're looking at realistically are going to be the June Nations League games when, ironically, Ukraine and Scotland are due to face each other anyway. Um, first of all, Ruth, I just want to get your opinion on what you think the knock-on of that will be from a Wales perspective in, in the short term, at least. I think it's interesting that today the authorities have announced that obviously the Scotland game, the Scotland-Ukrainian game is is, is postponed and, put, and will, we're assuming we put pushed back to June, although that's that's still not actually clear and um i think it's interesting that that's been announced and nothing else has been announced which leaves me thinking that our game against austria isn't isn't changing um i do actually have some sort of ideas around around that and how you know march might be structured but it looks like our game with austria is on um 
I, I think that's sensible. It doesn't, to my mind, given given we were going to find it difficult to kind of move one of these playoff groups in its entirety somewhere else. Um, I think it it makes sense to play the games you can play and rearrange the ones you have to rearrange. I I don't really see... I, I, I can see that there might be a footballing debate about splitting it up and momentum and that sort of thing, and we can, we can discuss that some more. But I think from a practical point of view, I can't see the point in postponing some games that don't actually need to be postponed. Yeah, that that's my take on on the situation right now. Is I don't I don't see the point in moving our game. I think it just means that there's more games, there's more knock on effects further down the line. If mm-hmm. our game, for example, is postponed, then it goes into the Nations League games. Well, then we have to consider the Dutch and the the Polish and um, whoever the other team are. I can't remember off the top of my head. Belgium, of course, it's Belgium. Of course it is. <laughs> I, say, I, I don't even I don't even count them as opposition anymore. I just assume, I do, everyone just assumes we'll be playing them. That's very true. Um, yeah. So uh, you know when when we look at that, that then it has knock on implications for that. I mean, I again I appreciate this is not the most important thing, but the travel side of things. Let's say for example, I would imagine given that the game against the Netherlands, let's say, has already been announced as being in Rotterdam. There are people who would have booked flights and travel and accommodation and all that sort of stuff. I, I again, you know, I, I don't want to keep saying the same thing, but I know it's not the most important thing. But it, it does, if realistically, need to be taken into consideration at some level. Is it priority number one? Of course, it's not. But there is that element to it, and the same for you know, people would have gambled on games, uh, the Poland game and the and the Belgium away game. Although I know that's not till September, so. Um, it's you know it's not just as black and white as cancel one game and just f- move everything to June because then there are other considerations as you as you rightly said there um, to, to take place. The one question I wanted to ask Ruth, you mentioned that you had other ideas there. What other ideas do you have? Because an interesting suggestion that came through to me, uh, uh, sorry, on Twitter was that just give Ukraine a pass through to the World Cup. We or Austria play Scotland in the, in the playoff final, and one group in the World Cup has got five teams in it as a as a show of goodwill. I, I guess is is the is probably the wrong way to say that, but loosely that's that's what I mean. Um, I, I don't know. I, I kind of quite like that idea. I don't really think it's going to happen, but I do kind of like that idea. Um, have you got any other thoughts on how you think this could be played out? <laughs> I'm with you. I don't think that's very realistic that you. You effectively take. Obviously, the Russians are out of out of the the scenario. If you give the Ukraines a pass, then you've got six remaining teams that have to be whittled down to one place. You know, our group, as the Scots, Austria, and then the Poles, the Czechs, and the Swedes, and somehow bring those six together and create one one qualifier. I just I think there would be some kickback against that, ironically, although I understand people are trying to be supportive of the of the of the Ukrainians at the under the circumstances and quite rightly so, but I think there would be some kickback if we tried to smudge those guys into four into into six a six group. Just to be clear, sorry, I'm just saying when I say group five, I mean sorry, at the World Cup is what I meant, sorry. So Ah, I see mean? what you mean. Okay. That I think might have more merit, actually. Just, just haven't have like a, a space spot, as it were, and shove the Ukrainians in, except that one of the groups has to play a few more qualifying games. Okay, that I hadn't thought about. I think I can see that actually having some, some possibilities. Yeah. Yeah, I can't claim all the credit for that. Sorry, that is Rob Bell on Twitter uh, came up with that idea as much as I would love to claim it as my own. That is very much his, but I do think that's a a, a great idea. Yeah, I think that, that, like I said, that's got some merit. Um, going, looking at the March and June dates, so I think we, we, you know, I'd like to see UEFA getting a little, perhaps a bit more creative rather than just shoving things back into June and somehow hoping that things will sort themselves out. Um, we've, we presumably are going to have a game against Austria. Hopefully, they're not going to try and foist a, a friendly in there. But it's looking like we're going to have a game in the, the March break. The rest of, um, obviously, the polls are 
were expecting to play two games like we were expecting to two, play two games. They're now playing one game. So they're they're playing what will be their playoff final in the in the second slot of the March window. You with me so far? Yeah. So their first slot has been freed up. So why don't we bring our game against Poland that's meant to be in June, bring that forward to March, play it in the first date in March, and then in the second date in March, we play Austria. Now, I'm not... I'm, I think we're so close to these dates, Dave, I'm not sure any of this is possible. And tickets have been purchased and, you know, all of that sort of thing. So I'm not suggesting that this is somehow a wonderful solution because there's a myriad of other problems. But I think if we can look at how we can use, have two games in March in some way so that June isn't quite as potentially as hectic that, we're suddenly not trying to fit five games into June. The Scots would be trying to fit potentially six, you know, six games into June. Um, so what can we do with March? For example, the Belgians and, and the Dutch have just got friendly games in March. Can we, is there something we can do with getting one of those Nations League games out of the way in March? I'm just, I just think we should try and look at, at what we can do um, rather than just leave, just keep pushing the problem further out um there's also only two games scheduled in september for for window which is later in september than usual um and so i suppose there is the possibility of putting a third game in there as well if it came to it um i, I just think ironically i think we've got to be careful we don't miss the opportunity to have two games in march because i think the knock-on effect is going to be considerable I, I take the point. I, I personally don't think it's going to happen. I think what the most mm -hmm. likely solution I can see is we play Austria in the first game. Um, Scotland and Poland perhaps will play each other in a friendly in in that first slot as Russia as the Poland sorry have a bye because they should have played Russia and obviously Scotland should have played Ukraine but obviously they aren't so I wonder if they will play a friendly in in that window there and then the second game just becomes empty and I and I know that's not ideal for anyone but I think the reality is the Nations League can be kicked down the road um that can run on I think that runs on and on um you know as you say into September and then obviously there's the kind of finals if you like of that as well so there are extra windows down the road so if this has to be kicked down the road a little bit then it can be I think what my biggest concern is again and I say that obviously I mean this again in a football context my biggest thing here is the chances of this situation being solved by June are actually really really slim in my humble opinion. So I wonder if, you know, I understand that we've got to do the right thing by Ukraine. We've got to give them the opportunity to play. I totally understand that. It's the right thing to do. But what I think would be a, a concern to me in, in terms of the fixtures and whatever is by the time we get to June, if they can't play again then, well, then what happens? Like, uh, what? how, like, how far down the road do you kick this can? Because by June, obviously, there'll have, there'll have to be a decision made in some way, shape or form. But then you've also lost two windows in terms of fixtures as well. So it becomes very, very complicated. I mean, ultimately, as I say, I, I think a lot of this problem in inverted commas will go away because I don't see the situation in Ukraine being resolved. I think they'll have to forfeit. I don't think they'll participate in the Nations League in any real context um, in, the next, in the next round of fixtures either. So I do think, I know this is an unfortunate way of looking at it, but I do think a lot of that goes away. The spare dates that are generated from Scotland to Ukraine in June will probably be where either us or Austria will play the final and one of our Nations League games gets booted to September because again you know whilst I'm looking forward to the Nations League here in the Netherlands and hopefully a trip to Belgium as well it's it's not really important it's they're glorified friendlies if we're being brutally honest and the priority has to be the World Cup and obviously giving the Ukrainians a, a fair crack of the whip so I think the reality of the situation is that all of this will kind of fall through we'll end up playing Scotland or Austria will end up playing Scotland in the final um 
and that will most likely happen in June at the expense of a Nations League date because, by sheer chance, Ukraine are in the same group as, as Scotland. And I know, you know, we're looking at this quite a clinical way. I, I agree with you with your logic. I'd like to see UEFA and FIFA get kind of creative with this and and whatnot. But I think the realities and the timing of the situation and the probably political sphere that goes with it as well means it's it's kind of borderline impossible to to make that creativity actually kind of come to anything despite the fact that like i say ultimately i i agree with you um i don't know if you've got anything else to to, to add on to this circumstance I, I think what you were saying about the nations league is important i can see a scenario where the where the group um that involves scotland and ukraine just a just kind of agree like, almost like a placeholder for the Ukrainians. We're not going to promote them. We're not going to relegate them. The, the rest of the group just sort of plays around them, as it were, um, and, and and lets them concentrate on whatever, as you say, genuinely competitive games they may need to catch catch up on. Um, I think I think there are some. Um, I think I think the despite. The, like the sort of creative ideas that I'm sure lots of people are throwing around. I think that I think the dates are just so tight for March that I can't actually see anything beyond the agreed schedule, like as it stands right now, going forward. Because I just I just think everything's too tight to do anything else. Um, I also think you're right. I think we would be naive to think that somehow this is all going to be doable by June as well. I think. I think the circumstances, and and never mind, um, what you know. Actually, I think the fact as soon as those players get to the end of this season with their clubs, it's going to be really hard for those Ukrainian lads to 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 not be wanting to be with family, to not want to be like, you know, with with their folks, and I think. At the minute, I think they're they're doing a lot of battling through, um, in terms of you know trying to keep the, trying to keep sort of front and center of this and trying to be, um, you know, a voice for their community in the footballing sphere. But I think as soon as as soon as the season finishes, they they're just going to be in such need of a breather and some and some like family time that I think it's actually even if everything somehow miraculously resolves itself I think it's going to be a very hard thing to expect them to then go and play some competitive games in June yeah I agree I mean the only thing that I did kind of think to to counter that uh, as you were talking there is maybe it could also be an opportunity for them to represent the people of Ukraine um in in a in a different way um and you know could kind of drive them onto something. So uh, maybe there's that angle of it as well, aspect of it as well. I, I think you're probably right, but I, that that kind of occurred to me as we were going through. Um, I think the most important thing, just to to kind of reiterate here, really, is obviously we are talking about football. We know that's not the most important thing in all of this. Um, you know, I, you know, I've seen a few things on Twitter. You want me to be a hundred percent selfish? I would personally be devastated if this game is moved because I've booked flights and accommodation, and, and I've got my ticket, and I've taken my days off work. I know that's selfish, and that you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, light lighten the situation, I suppose. Um, in the same way that if the game gets moved to June, I've got more of a chance of going to the final. So very much swings and roundabouts. Um, Um, sorry, Shira the dog is desperate to make uh, an entrance onto onto the pod. There he goes. Um, yeah, so yeah, there you go. It, it is what it is, and uh, you know, obviously, we recognise that uh, the football is not the key here. Um, whilst we are discussing uh, things that are not lighthearted, I I think it's also poignant, Ruth, that you mention uh, John Toshak at this point, who's been um, in and well in hospital, uh, COVID-related pneumonia, I think, is the is the official is the official line and he's he's not in a good place apparently so um on on behalf of uh, on of both of us i'd say uh, all all the best to john toshak and best wishes to him and his family as well i'm sure is a, a very difficult time yeah the the latest news i was reading was that he was off the ventilator which is obviously a as these things go a good, good sign although it sounds like he's he's pretty damn poorly still and um yeah just um best wishes 
absolutely. So to move on to what we are, the main bulk of our pod today is going to be doing a club roundup. We've kind of threatened to do this uh, a couple of times, but we're finally doing it this week. Um, it's obviously difficult for me in the Netherlands and Ruth in uh, on the west coast of America to be able to watch huge swathes of Cardiff, Newport, Wrexham and Swansea. However, um, we've, we've definitely seen some highlights and a few games um, between us over the, over the season so far. So we have relied, ladies and gentlemen, on some fan input for this. Um, so we're going to start by talking about Cardiff. Um, it's been an interesting season from my perspective from Cardiff. Um, obviously, Morrison has just been given the manager's job till 2023. They've, you know, there's a lot of re- uh, revealed, a lot has been revealed, sorry, about the financial situation in the last few weeks. They're a lot in debt. Um so a real flux season for them, really. And I think, you know, their league position belies that. I think um, they are not having a great season, I think it's fair to say, in, in terms of the league table. Uh, they're 18th in the league. I think they're probably going to stay up. But um, it's, it's an interesting nonetheless. I'll start, Ruth, uh, with the first comment that we've got here. Um, the, the football turned agricultural quickly and unbearable under McCarthy at the start of the season. Morrison has come in and improved the squad and the style of play no end should finish comfortably mid-table. Many fans already looking to the rebuild next season and that is from Matt Dovan. I know you've got one as well there, Ruth. Yeah, this is from Mike Jones. Um, He says, we look rejuvenated and are starting to play some nice football as the younger players get used to week in and week out football at this level. Definitely staying up impact of the loan players has been seen uh, but really excited for any Welsh talent coming through and I think I think that's a, a theme we wanted to we wanted to look at a little bit wasn't it yeah absolutely I think and that's echoed in a few other things as well we had one from Adrian Coles um if the only if the only change is the manager uh, if only sorry the change in manager players and tactics took place two months earlier what we could be looking at in May uh, consolidate now recruit and retain key players regroup and then go again with pace and purpose next season I think that is an interesting one a few people have said similar things about Cardiff it, this should have happened sooner um, but also uh, the the players that who who have come in on loan and the younger players as well um, have done a have done a great job there's a comment there from Peter Landers I think it is Ruth um, which is um, something we wanted to mention it was along the same vein yeah, um, we should just mention that your last your last bit was from Adrian Coles because I wouldn't want Sorry. him to think we haven't we hadn't mentioned him. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, apologies. But no, uh, Peter Landers made an interesting point about the role of the of the, the academy. So of course, at the weekend, two of their goals, uh, Cardiff's goals, came through the academy, and obviously um, also Newport that uh, they've got James Way on uh, on loan. Um, so he's and he's got a win. You know, in his debut. So between his spell at Pennebont and you know the, the what's going on, Peter was was wondering whether this is the start of a kind of Euro 2016 sort of um, you know Welsh football bubble that was somehow was somehow floating on, on yeah. post, post the Euros. Um, I'm not sure I quite agree with that. I think it might, in some respects, it might be a little bit too soon for us to be seeing that. I mean, if a, if a lad was, I suppose if a lad was 18 now, he was, I don't know, 12, 13, when, the, when Euro 2016 was happening. I think, I don't think there's better in, in seeing success and seeing lads from your hometown being successful on a world stage. I'm sure, I'm sure that, um, yeah, I do think success breeds success. But I think by the time you're a kind of 13, I think the academies are so um, the academies are, are so on to what players have got potential at that point that I'm not I'm not sure that would have necessarily changed the trajectory. But perhaps it does change an inner confidence that of possibility is. So I think if we're seeing anything, I think I I view it more as a sort of psychological up than a natural sort of um pipeline as it were yeah i agree and, and i do think it also does point out as well or show that, that you know cardiff's we've talked a couple of times on here about cardiff needing a change in in mentality if you like in how the club is run and organized and giving these younger players an opportunity is a key part of that i think and the fact that they now have that chance is is really really important and and the fact that those younger players are coming through the academy and having an impact 
um, is obviously great for Welsh football in and of itself as well. So a, a great point, I, I think. Um, the last one I wanted to mention here is from Danny Griffo, um, who said, Morrison has changed the season massively, got the connection back with the fans too. Pretty much safe now. The youngsters he's bringing through look positive for us and Wales. Isaac Davis is one to watch. And one more from Chris Ashman. The balance of youth and experience was always going to be risky at Cardiff. We will stay up and finish strong. However, low needs have given the youngsters confidence and will be missed. The manager has been outstanding given it's his first major job. I, I, again, I, I, I agree. I mean, looking at the, the league table, I think makes really interesting reading If when we go on to talk about Swansea because, you know, Cardiff, you know, uh, only two points behind them. Yes, they've played three more games than them. Um, but it's it's really, really interesting, I think how close those teams are and and how different their fans have been over over the over the season sorry the dog just dropped something mid-sentence there um i can't be bothered to edit it out um he hasn't barked yet so we'll take that yeah so i i think i i do find that really really interesting um i think looking at you know carlis recent form that says a lot Obviously, they, they beat QPR on the weekend. They beat Derby the week before that. They narrowly lost to Fulham. Yes, they lost to Huddersfield before that with two late goals. But they have been on a pretty decent run. Draw with Blackpool, beat Coventry, um, a win against Peterborough not long before that. Um, gave a decent account of themselves, I thought, against Liverpool in the Cup, uh, beat Barnsley. So they're in a decent run of form. So I'm pretty confident they'll stay up. Um, it's just a very, very interesting situation, I think, looking at how the two different clubs, I guess, look at the situation. Um, if we move on to Swansea... Um, can I, I'll, just, I'll just add something on card if, if, if I can. I, th- I thought um, having Morrison's contract run through to 2023, I thought, was interesting. It's, a, it's kind of a commitment without it being a long commitment. Um, it seems a sort of sensible sensible approach for a for a, a you know a guy who's new to managing uh so i think i think cardiff's problem as we've touched on several times is has been an identity a sort of a format uh, where are they going and, the, and although i don't think that has particularly been answered i think by embedding the academy players and by perhaps being just a bit more consciously on the front foot and just a bit, bit more um, a bit more sort of tethered as a unit. I, I can I can see how that feels really positive to the fans. And so I'm I'm just I'm glad for obviously glad for their sake, glad for Wales's sake, that it just seems to be a little bit more of an even keel. They seem to have a little bit more announce about what they want to do and where they're going and just more stable and that can that you know that can only be good for us going forward yeah 100 percent. and uh you know like i i totally agree with everything you said there and you've made the good point about for us us being wales moving forward um you know it is important that the capital city produce players and, and make the most of the players that they have around them so that seems to be something that's going in the right direction as well. So altogether, I think, you know, whilst it's not been a, a good season overall for Cardiff, I think they are finally heading the right way now, which is obviously great for them. Um, if we look at Swansea, um, really interesting messages from some of the Swansea fans here. Um I think the first comment we will go for, Ruth, uh, I'm going to go for Stephen Carroll, who I uh, spoke to briefly from Jackcast and the SOS fanzine. Um, he said it has been slow progress for Swansea after appointing Russell Martin less than a week before the season started. The main high point was a spell in October and a run of four wins in five, including beating Cardiff. Since then, it's been more inconsistent. The last two games have shown positive signs. He is hopeful that Swansea can finish in the top half as the remaining fixtures don't look too tough. Um, we have to play all of the bottom six again. The aim will be to push on uh, for the top six and obviously the playoffs within that next season. So I, I think that is a good summary of the situation. Obviously, we've got more stuff that we will we will kind of go through and comment on uh, as we go through there. But I think that is a good kind of starting point and a good summary of the situation. Yeah, there's there's interesting kind of themes in in well what we've seen, but also what what people have um, have sent to us. This idea that you know when the swans are good, they're they're absolutely wonderful, and when they're bad, you just you just want to bury your head in the sand. Um, and so I think I think that inconsistency is 
probably their biggest issue at the minute. Well, obviously playing inconsistently is never good, but I think I, I think it must be really difficult and frustrating to see them as good as they can be and as bad as they can be. And I th- the Swansea fans, I think, they do amaze me just how um, kind of tolerant <laughs> they are, if that makes sense. <laughs> the, the, the kind of, um, I think for, for a lot of fan bases, I think this, this like what we're going to see this week um, mystery yeah. would actually be very frustrating, but I, th- I think the Swansea fans actually are very good at sort of embracing that and and staying positive and and obviously the the desire you know good football is is so key to to the kind of um, persona of, of the club and the persona of them as fans that 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 comes really above almost anything else and uh, um, it, you know it. Martin is on a journey with them. I think. I think next season is clearly going to be um, be the telling one, really, in terms of what what they can produce and if their best can be can be a more sort of routine. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I was going to apologise here because I did say uh, when we when we discussed the clubs at the start of the season, how you know we'll see how really you know how really bothered Swansea fans are about playing this good this flowing football, and it, it seems like they really are. So credit to them because I think they have bought with it on the on the basis that yeah, okay, we might lose you know games we shouldn't lose, but we're trying to do it the right way. There's a process in place, there's a plan in place. We can stick with it on the basis that we think we're going to end up going the right way. And we've all got a lot of time for that. So I, I do have to apologise there because I, I did say that at the start of the season. So um, credit to them for that. I think, you know, what's interesting, they're, you know, they're 10 points off eighth place. They've got a lot of, you know, three games in hand on some teams uh, above them, two, one and two against others. I'm not for a moment suggesting they're going to make a late burst for the playoffs. Um, but I do think their their season could change. Obviously, they've still got Cardiff to play uh, as well. Have you got any more comments there, Ruth? Yeah, I, I'm going to sort of amalgamate some comments from Harry Lewis six and Jack Swan fourteen eleven because they 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 make similar points. Um, the the I think there's some concern about ensuring that they get Christie on a permanent basis come the summer. Um, as Harry Lewis six says, uh, and need to get Christie in on a permanent in the summer and uh, the and Jacks 114.11 makes the point that signings especially the permanent ones have generally been good and he mentions um, Piero and Patterson and Downs and then Jacks 114.11 goes on to say recruitment will be key this summer albeit we're likely to be reliant on a few, on a few that are currently out on loan and other youngsters breaking through to supplement a reasonably small first-team squad. And I think that's a really interesting point. Swansea, historically, have always relied on their academy. Yeah. And I think this it will be interesting to see if the downgrading of the status of, of the academy does start to have a knock-on effect on them. Um, at the minute, they do seem to be producing... Um, some, some, you know, some good players. You look at those that they've got out on loan in the lower in the lower leagues, for example. Um, but I think I think Martin has has got a a very vital and difficult and pivotal summer in front of him. Actually, between between the training that he'll demand when he actually has a summer with the team and what they do and don't do in the transfer market, I think is actually it's I, I think it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be a key summer for them. Yeah, absolutely. I think the inconsistency we've mentioned there a couple of times, but also to go with that, there does need to be that improvement next year, doesn't there? I think that's the key for Swansea. It's all well and good saying this, that we're having a transition year now, but it does need to amount to something next year. As as the Gate 2 podcast uh, who got in touch with us, thank you very much, said, when we're good, we are very good. When we're bad, we're shocking. Soft touch away and too often the game's over by halftime. Can take encouragement, however, from the recent 12 points from... Uh, six tough games plenty of improvement leader like I said but good for foundations laid so I I do think there's that side of things too that that kind of needs 
to mean something. And again, Carl Gammon has said the textbook definition of a transfer transitional season. When uh, Martin styles of play clicks, the football is scintillating. When it doesn't, it's absolute head in your hand stuff. Fingers crossed we can keep a hold of our key players, as you mentioned, and continue to strengthen. So all told there, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of, of interesting points. The last one I was going to do very quickly there is from the 12th one, who is Katie, um, who is on your, in your side of the world, in fact, Ruth. Um, lives mm-hmm. in Just up the road. Yeah. In relative terms, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, she says we are starting to finally have things click however i feel a late playoff push as we just said there is out of this out of reach i have an eye towards the summer where a big priority is locking down christie again something else that's been echoed i could see maybe 10th but for many um the bigger potential prize is right after the break which is very very true um obviously that that cardiff game is what she's implying there which is something i'm sure there'll be a lot of people looking forward to and um, before we continue ruth uh with this i think whilst we're talking about the importance of players and what they're doing this season and where they will end up next season i think it is important that we mention rabbi matondo in here as well who um has been a lot of questions asked um to us on twitter about him of late he's had a fantastic i would say uh, 14 games I think he's on a great little run of now um, and I just I just thought that would be interesting to get your opinion on him in terms of the squad moving forward just to give some stats in the last 14 games he has scored as I desperately try and do some quick maths 5, 6, 7, 8 he scored 9 goals in the last 14 games with an assist that includes a suspension for missing a game as well so he's actually in terms of games played he's actually only played uh 12 so he's got nine in his last 12 um including that assist like i said so he's playing probably the best football of his career at the moment admittedly it's in belgium but i think there's still some good sides there and i think his level of performance means he's got to be in the squad for that austria game surely i think so and i think particularly with tyler roberts now being out for a hamstring injury, which looks like it's ended his season, might be doesn't go from even being around in June. So I think between Kiefer Moore being out, Tyler Roberts being out, um, I think I think there's a place for for Matondo there, particularly on form in the way he is. Uh, I don't see any reason for him not to be involved. Frankly, I think he's <clears throat> he. We're seeing a bit of a bit of this this season, aren't we? With some players that we've worried about floating around and jumping around and 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 having very sort of hit and miss loan spells. That there's a few of them that do actually seem to have found the right place this season, and perhaps he's one of them. And yes, it's only Belgium, but you know he's still he's still got to produce. He's still got those are still good stats regardless of the opposition. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a place in the squad for him, and I think. He's one of those ones we've got to look to for the future. I didn't like that he he didn't go to the Euros, for example. I thought that was a little bit short-sighted because I thought the experience would have been useful for him, if nothing else. Um, So I want him involved in in these big, important game squads. Yeah, absolutely. I think what's interesting here as well is that he's also played a few of those games as like a support striker, similar to how Dan James has been doing at Leeds as well. So I do think there's an element of there's a role there for him in in, in the way we play. I think he's not going to play from the start, you know, obviously regardless of, of form or whatever, because of the way we play, we don't really have wingers, we have wing backs. Um, so his role would be as a support striker or coming on later in the game if we went for like a genuine three-five-two with kind of flying wingers and, and needed a goal. I could perhaps see that happening, but realistically, I don't think that's going to be the way. But yeah, I think it'd be a great option to have off the bench. I mean, I, I think we've got to re- be realistic here as well. Is our bench is looking strong and you know. Someone tweeted about Declan John the other day. He was playing well for Bolton, scored a goal the other day. You know, he's still young. He's not even getting a look in. If there was a Welsh player within, you know, 100 miles of, of Cardiff City Stadium, Millennium Stadium back in the day, they, they you know, they, they got a cap and a call-up. Whereas now, we're looking at players who, you know, who, who are playing down a couple of levels who are still playing really well, but saying, well, you're not quite good enough for us at the minute. So I think it's a fantastic sign of the future even that we can have these co- these conversations and there's genuine debate over squad positions, it's not just you know the twenty three best that we can cobble together who who, who are getting game time. Um, one more person I wanted to mention before we go back to the club stuff is Mark Hughes. He has turned up at Bradford City. They are fifteenth in League Two at the moment. 
he's not really had the best of starts. He took over uh, Wednesday, I think it was the 24th of Feb, something like that. Um, they played Mansfield Town, who, to be fair, are a very good side. Um, uh, top of the league or there or thereabouts, Mansfield. Um, they lost to them 2-0. They lost 2-1 to Johnny Williams and uh, Swindon on the weekend. <laughs> Uh, Mansfield aren't top of the league. I completely made that up. I was thinking of Forest Green. I'm getting myself confused. Uh, Mansfield are actually fifth in the league. Uh, but Swindon are, are only a point behind them, in fact, in seventh. So, you know, it's been a tough start for, for Sparky there. But I do think that there's, um, you know, more winnable fixtures coming up, admittedly, after the Forest Green game. That's why I was got confused because they're playing Forest Green uh, on the weekend. So, it, you know, it's been a, a tough start for him there. But they've got Hartlepool coming up. Um, so, you know... It's you know they're only a couple of places ahead of them, so that's probably when he's looking at their season starting, if you like. But fascinated to see him go back, uh, well, I say go back, just to go down to League Two. I think this is his first job outside of the Premier League that wasn't the Wales job. So I th- I'm really fascinated by the decision he's made to go down to League Two. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Can't pretend it isn't. Um, I think. I mean, his stock wasn't high, let's be honest. So I'm not sure there were a huge number of choices. So I do find it interesting that when he could have kind of sailed off into the sunset quite happily, I'm sure, um, that he's chosen to do this because this is like this is proper managing, isn't it? This is this is being responsible for everything. This this is, you know, having no, no no. big infrastructure support in you this is this is proper roll up your sleeves and, and get on with it and dig in kind of stuff um so you know i'm surprised but i'm also pleased to see him doing it because i think it i think it says something about his um uh, engagement for the game and desire to to be involved in the game and, and i, I th- you know I, I think that that needs commending too um but i won't pretend it wasn't a surprise to see him taking a role like this yeah, massively, um, and I think, like you said, I I, I kind of thought about it in a in a teacher way. Is sometimes you can go to a big school of of three thousand kids where there's a million, you know, there's a million protocols in place, and it seems like there's an empty checkbook, and it's a very different kind of job that you have to do compared to going to I don't know. Uh, you know, a small a small suburban school in Boston, for example, where it's uh, it's it's just very much a smaller smaller location, uh, and uh, the systems and styles in place are very very different. It's, it's very much hands on approach to everything. There's a bit of an inside joke there, ladies and gents. I apologise. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know that, that, that I, it did kind of make me think that I, I think realistically Bradford are, are safe from relegation. I think what are they? They're nine points um, from any sort of trouble. Although they have lost their last five games, so you know it's uh, they're in a shocking run of form. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Walsall just below them as well, incidentally managed by Mike Flynn, which is something we have not talked about. But anyway, um, let's just nice, just nice to on. see him back involved. I'm glad. I'm glad he's uh, found it. Found a found a a job that excites him. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm delighted to see he's back involved. Now, um, we do have um, if we look at Newport County, um, we had a good few responses from some county fans as well, which is fantastic. Um, Newport again, I've not seen loads. I've seen highlights, lots of highlights. Some of the football that Newport have played this season has been brilliant. I mean, I think I said this last season. If you wanted to get a season ticket for somewhere, they'd probably be your top choice because they've scored a load of goals and they conceded a load of goals as well um they've scored i think the second most in the division um and just guessing here but looking at the numbers they're certainly the they've conceded the most in the top half i think yes they've conceded the most in the top half they're probably yeah you know which is which is an amazing stat really so that obviously shows where they need to improve but they're playing fantastic football um james robbery has come in and, and done a great job there um, to look at some of the comments that we've had from uh, some people, we had uh, a comment from Ed from the 1912 Exiles podcast, uh, which you can find at 1912Exiles on Twitter, fantastic pod. Um, County fans are buzzing at the minute. It's a wonderful time to be following Newport and we're enjoying the ride. We're playing our best football for years, dazzling crowds with quick passing and plenty of goals at both ends. Um, Centre forward Tom Telford has caught the headlines with 25 goals already, but the trio of midfielders behind him. Um, Finnezaz, Jake Kane and Ollie Cooper on loan from Villa. 
Liverpool and Swansea respectively have given us the creative spark we lacked. Flynn's departure in the autumn and subsequent move to Warsaw was a strange exit. It was perhaps the right thing for both parties. In his place, Robery has lived up to his promise and is a clever tactician who wants to develop a side who can play flowing football. But his passion for the game and the club have shone through as well. We can't stress strongly enough, if anyone is thinking about coming to watch County, get yourselves along. The crowd are fantastic and the entertainment is great. Whether we can achieve promotion or not this season is an open question, but sometimes the journey is just as enjoyable as the destination. That's very deep, Ed. Um, we are making the most <laughs> of the journey at the moment. I think you know you've got some you've got some comments there as well, Ruth. But I think echo in a similar vein. Yeah. No, I I wanted to pick up on uh, on on what Ed said in terms of the flow in football because I think Newport made a. They made a very canny choice, I think, in moving from Flynn to Robbery because they, they've been sort of on this trajectory for perhaps about the last 18 months, haven't they, of trying to play proper football. And I think it, it could have been easy to kind of regress into that slightly hard-nosed fourth-tier kind of hoof-it-up sort of football that perhaps has been more historically their their um, their framework. And I I think it was great to see them commit to this journey. And and I think, it, not that I particularly wanted to see Flynn go, but I think it perhaps was time for a, a new shot in the arm and a new voice and a new and a new tone, but in that same framework. And I think Robbery obviously thought very highly of it at Cardiff. And I think I think Newport did very well to to grab him. And, and uh, they've had their ups and downs. You know, they were, they were letting in too many any goals at one point but they seem to have steadied steadied that ship um and then to look at some of the other points that we've had um i love this this name diesel y2j <laughs> says the most entertaining football i've watched in years some truly remarkable forward play particularly for league two um a lot to do to get automatic places and we leak, leak too many goals so it'll probably be the lottery of the playoffs again and i think that that I think is perhaps what's difficult for Newport fans is that they've just had so many hard times in those in the playoffs, particularly relatively recently. That I think psychologically that might be really a really hard journey yeah. if that's how things go. Yeah, I agree. I think the one thing that goes for them, you know, in in terms of that, is they're not a million miles off that automatic spot. You know, they're one point behind mm-hmm. Sutton United. You know, they've 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 got some and had some kind of big games uh, against the teams around them uh, of late. They beat New uh, Tranmere 4-2, which was a great result. They drew with Mansfield, uh, drew with Oldham and drew with Forest Green uh, on the weekend as well. So, uh, you know, a, a good... Uh, on Tuesday, sorry. Um, on Tuesday, on St. David's Day, that is, sorry. So, yeah, I think in that aspect, a fantastic little run there that they've put together haven't lost a game against some tough teams around them and now they're looking at you know Hartlepool they've got to play they've got to play Carlisle um, who are much further down the league in 18th so they've definitely got winnable games coming up as well so I think all told that automatic you know carrot if you like is still very much there so I you know it'd be absolutely fantastic for for Newport to do that for for people who who are long long time listeners of the pod I'm very much a uh, have very much a soft spot for, for Newport. I agree with with what Ed said there before from the nineteen twelve exiles that they are. It's a great place to go and watch football. It's very entertaining. Um, GCHQ ninety eight said Newport need to be promoted automatically. Um, the playoffs have been painful as as Ruth alluded to before. This past couple of seasons, new manager has done well and the pitch looks fantastic for March. Ollie Cooper is good enough for Swansea and Wales now, um, which is an interesting one. And finally. Anthony Evans says, automatic promotion is on for the county. Playing some superb football at the moment, it seems to be coming together nicely. The Welsh lads, Cooper and Waite, doing great. Which rhymes, which I really enjoyed massively at the end. Um, yeah, I, I, I really have everything crossed for, for Newport there. I really hope they go up. I think they've you know got every chance and you know some tough fixtures. If they can tighten up at the back, I think that'll be a, a big thing for them. But you know, as everyone has pointed to there, they're, they're fantastic to watch. Um, before we move on to Wrexham, uh, Ruth, I just wanted to quick mention some of the Red Flag Martyrs did get in touch uh, about Merthyr. Um, 
saying it's a great season at Merthyr Town and we're nicely placed for a run at the playoffs, which I assume is very much tongue-in-cheek. Um, they've said the cob, chips, sausages and curry sauce attract more fans from the football. Only three wins all season, but getting 500 people through the turnstiles, um, which is... Uh, which is uh, it's been a tough season, no doubt uh, at all there for Merthyr, but good to see they're good, getting good numbers still. And uh, I'm sure, as ever, the food is great there. Um, before we look at Wrexham, Ruth, which will be our last club, um, I think we should recognise that we're recording this on Tuesday, which is International Women's Day. And the women's team have uh, announced and released their own kit today, which I think is a fantastic initiative, a fantastic idea, and it's great to see. I think it's great to see. I don't like the kit. <laughs> <laughs> I think the idea is good. I think producing stuff that's obviously tailored, presumably slightly more tailored for a women's physique is good. Um, but I, I don't like the actual the actual design, I have to be honest. <laughs> uh, someone, someone, Chris Jenkins, I think it was, tweeted in and said, uh, is this their training kit? Um, which I thought was a touch harsh, but probably probably fair. I, I can't disagree. I have a pet hate, Ruth, with um, football kits with badges in the middle of the shirt. I uh, I don't I don't really I don't really like that. I don't really get that. So that's my main thing. I do kind of see how it looks like a training top with a round top. But do you know what? It doesn't really matter. We're not exactly fashionistas here, are we? So um, I, I think I think the the principle behind this is great. Like you said, Ruth, it's been it's been designed uh, with as a women's cut, if you like. So um, it's more suitable for, for female fans, which I think is great. I think it's great as much as anything that, like, we say this so often on, on this podcast, but the way that the FAW, Cymru, everything around how they are supporting the women's game in Wales is just fantastic. And I think this is just another example of something that I hadn't, it hadn't even crossed my mind the fact that they've thought of it and perfect time to deliver this news and information as well is amazing. So huge credit as always to, to everyone at the FAW who's done something like this. You know, we mentioned Noel Mooney in the kits last time. Maybe they could get me in on kit design in the future if required, but it's, you know, that doesn't matter. Does it? It's, it's about, it's about the, the idea and the logic and the principle and the idea. And I think that's, it's, it's been, it's been really, it's fantastic. I really like it. Nope. I haven't got, Anything but good things to say about the initiative, but that, that won't make me like the actual design. <laughs> well, we'll move on in that case. Um, Wrexham have been uh, an interesting one this season, I think it is very safe to say. Um, lots of interesting comments uh, we had about this. Um, the first one we have is from the Fearless in Devotion fanzine, uh, and we have a great little clip here from Fearless in Devotion. My name is Tim Edwards and I'm from the Fearless and Devotion podcast which covers everything and anything to do with Wrexham Association Football Club. Um, so as for this season, <laughs> where to begin really? Um, we've got money, we've got very big crowds, we've got hope, we've got expectation, we've got Paul Mullin, which is a song by the way, and we also have uh, Rob McElhenney and a, a certain Ryan Reynolds along for the ride. That's a lot of ours. Um, let's get to the point. So, Phil Parkinson was installed as manager after Dean Keats um, was released from his contract or his contract ended. Bit of a revamp, revamp of the playing squad because obviously um, the cash injection from, from our Hollywood owners. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been going pretty well. We've recruited really well taking captains from clubs in the leagues above us and obviously taking league two player of the season in, in Paul Mullen who scored 30 odd goals for Cambridge United so the lure is there yes paying them good money no doubt but the lure of of, of helping Wrexham out of the leagues after this in its 14th season now um, is is obviously a big big pull so Things are going well. Um, some some great players we've got in, as well as Paul Mullin. Um, recently had Ollie Palmer in the January transfer window, which smashed our transfer record paid. So we paid three hundred grand for him. And yeah, he's he's done really well since he's come in. I think he's got is it four or five and three now. He's he's sort of striking up a nice partnership with with Mullin. 
still early days between them because Mullin had a couple of well he had a send it off which kept him out for a few games so yeah that's hopefully gonna bear fruit at the time of, of recording this we've run one five in a row we're almost on the coattails of Stockport in our league who are sort of threatening to run away with it we've played a no we're, I think there's six points I can't remember how many points we behind we are now off the top of my head you have to excuse me I'm on holiday at the moment so my, my brain has been frazzled by the sun Stockport are the ones to catch, there's no doubt about it. Chesterfield have had a wobble. We beat them at their place a couple of weeks ago. It was just a great, great away day. Like 1,800 away fans went to it. Um, we should have been well beaten by half-time. Somehow um, we went and somehow we went on to win the game 2-0. It was unbelievable, but it's such a good game. So Chesterfield have, have sort of having a wobble. <sighs> We're on a good run. We're on a good run. Um, Stockport are on a, an astounding run. But their 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 final four or five games quite difficult, and that includes us in that at our place. So if we can keep in touch with them between them and beat them, then we'd only be three points behind. It's a lot of ifs and buts and maybes, but Wrexham seem to be hitting a good run of form at the right time. We haven't pulled up a lot of trees this season, especially at home. It's usually by the odd goal or two goals. <sighs> Away from home, we've been really, really, really good. We've hit fives and sixes on occasion. Just really solid away. We just need to express ourselves more at home, but that seems to be coming more to the fore. A bit coming more to the fore. It's too rhythmic. It seems to be more prominent now at home, which is good. But yeah, things are just looking good. You know, the confidence is there. If we get second spot and guarantee a, a one-off home playoff leg to get to Wembley for the playoff final, then great. Um, anything above that, if we manage to chase down Stockport and overtake them, then it's going to be one hell of an achievement. And you just never know. You just never know. Uh, Stockport need a wobble. They haven't had one yet. Not since they challenged and took over over there. Notts County have fallen away a bit. We've got them on Friday at the time of recording this in the quarterfinal of the FA Trophy. We owe them one, so it'd be nice to get through in that competition as well. But yeah, things are good. Um, Full Parkinson has, has won over a few more fans recently, going on this run and just playing better football in general. We've got a few shining lights in the team, apart from the ones I've mentioned, but Aaron Hayden at the back, just an absolute colossus of a defender. So good. Rob Lainton in goal, just brilliant, just brilliant, really, really good. And then Jordan Davis, midfield engine, born and bred, left us to go to Brighton many years ago, returned last season, and he is now every inch a championship player trapped in the fifth division, essentially. I'm not saying that because he's homegrown, because he's Welsh. It's just the truth. He doesn't score happens he scores worldly after worldly um he's improving with every game and you know, we've managed to time down new year's new year's day i think they announced it managed to time down to a new long-term deal so if any big clubs do come calling and he says you know what we haven't maybe progressed as much as we'd like i'd like to progress my career in order to play for wales nobody i don't think any of us would stand in his way but hopefully he'll climb through the leagues with us um, such a pivotal player and such a good player and yeah to anybody listening to this Jordan Davis barring any catastrophes now touch wood will play for Wales I've, I've no doubt about that in my mind so yeah that's everything for me I've prattled on for a while apologies um, yeah good luck to to the rest of of all the Welsh clubs, really, you know, we all want to see our Welsh teams doing well, especially in the English league structure. So yeah, um, maybe not so Newport. I don't know. Still got, still got a beamer bonnet about that Newport player final. But there we are. But yeah, thanks for listening and uh, enjoy. Big thanks to Fearless in Devotion for that clip. Thank you very much. Lots and lots to talk about there. Um, let's start by looking at their 
current league position, I guess, is the, is the most sensible. They've got games in hand on the teams above them. They're only four points uh, off second place. I, I think, realistically, the, the chance of automatic promotion may be beyond them now. They're um, nine points behind Stockport, so that ship might have sailed. But I think playoffs are, are pretty much nailed on there. I mean, it's very much been a season of two halves for Wrexham, hasn't it? I know you have a soft spot for Wrexham yourself, Ruth, so I'll, I'll, I'll let you go here. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think if we'd have had this discussion kind of late October, early early November, we we'd have been talking about whether, you know, Parkinson was gonna was gonna make it to the yeah. to the January transfer window, um, but he did, and obviously the the business they did in January is has, has proven very successful. They are clearly in a financial financial position to attract players that are you know too good for that league and I think initially that took a little bit of gelling with the players that are of that league as it were and I think I think that's that seems to have embedded that's probably since Christmas time that there's a sort of stability to their play um that that wasn't there earlier in the season um I'm with you I think I think it would have to be an incredible run for them to to grab that top spot now despite despite how good their form is um and some you know some wheels to come off some other buses as well uh but they should have they they should be good on for a playoff place now and then really it's it's trying to to get the um i think you have to finish second to get the one that means you only have one game and that would be at home and then it's wembley um because i think i think you know slogging yourself through several several playoff games and then Wembley can be quite can be quite difficult particularly when teams you know by definition that there, there's some inc- some degree of inconsistency to their play other otherwise they would have been finishing first or second in the league you know um so I think I think that's what they're looking for now really is to try and get that best playoff scenario that they can yeah, I mean, big game for Wrexham tonight. They've got Boreham Wood uh, as we are recording. Well, they're not doing it as we're recording. They'll be starting very soon, to be fair. Um, that's a big game for them. Boreham Wood are in fifth. I mean, they have got Stockport on the last but one day of the season. You know, if you're looking at things, this is their game in hand. They win this. They go six point behind Stockport. They beat Stockport last but one game. They're three points behind them. So if you want to be super optimistic, you know, if you if you want to take a take a bit of a punt, you know that chance of promotion, given they have to play each other again, is not out of the the question automatically. But you're you're right, Ruth. That that second place is the key for them. They've got two games in hand on Chesterfield, and only four points behind them. So that's their big kind of shot, if you like. Um, looking at some of the comments uh, that we have had in. Uh, Alid Roberts says looking back at the start of the season it seems like the squad was still gelling and getting used to Parkinson's style of play since the end of December the squad is clicking into place and performances and results are improved promotion definitely a possibility now so that's a really interesting comment uh, from Alid there I think kind of echoing a lot of what you said I appreciate you were going to read out a comment there, Ruth, but I've just had something flash up. Breaking news as we report it on the pod. This literally never happens to us. This, as soon as we press stop on recording, this is exactly what normally happens. And if <laughs> and if you've listened to the first part of the podcast, you may as well. You, that's time wasted in your life because I'm just about to give you a lot of answers. Um, FIFA has confirmed that Wales' 2022 playoff semi-final against Austria in Cardiff will go ahead as planned. Ukraine's request to postpone their playoff semi on the same evening has been granted. The FAW supports FIFA's decision in this matter and stands in solidarity with Ukraine and reiterates its condemnation of the force and atrocities being committed in Russia. If Cymru win against Austria, they will play the winners of the Scotland v Ukraine playoff semi-final at Cardiff City Stadium on a date to be confirmed in June. FIFA also stated alternative fixtures for teams in the March window are being explored by the relevant parties. Similarly, the details of rescheduled fixtures will be announced in due course and the international match calendar window of June will be adapted as necessary for the teams concerned once these details have been finalised. The FAW will provide further details in relation to March and June international windows as to when, as and when it becomes available. Um, Briefly, tickets... uh, for the for the games if wales win against austria tickets already purchased for the match will remain valid um which will be played in june 
those who are unable to attend the rearranged date, a refund request can be made for the face value of the tickets within 28 days of the fixture announcement. In the event that Cymru do not progress to the playoff final, all remaining bookings will automatically be refunded within 60 days of this announcement. So, Ruth, um, that's happened live, which never happens to us. Uh, what is your <laughs> what what is what is your reaction to that? Well, I think as we was as we were saying at the start of the pod, that's that was looking like the most likely scenario, wasn't it? Our game against Austria goes ahead, and then other things happen in June, if at all possible. Um, it's it's clear that they're looking at um, the sort of the second bit of the message was we're looking at we're looking at March and June in a sort of wider sense about what. Um, what games would make sense? So it might be that uh, that something is is rearranged. Perhaps something from June brought forward to March, for example. But I I I, I just wonder how how doable that is currently. Um, but I, th- I think it's where we expect it to be, really, isn't it? We've got Scotland not playing the Ukrainians as as it's eminently you know appropriate. You've got us playing Austria because we can, and we should just get get that game out of the way, and then. Everybody regroups for June and looks at, at looks at what what makes sense and what is possible then as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I think you know we we kind of discussed it at the start. It's kind of what we expected to happen to all intents and purposes. So that's um, uh, no, not a huge surprise, I guess. Um, but I think it's glad. I'm glad, certainly from a personal perspective, there's there's some kind of concrete plan in place, and I'm sure the FAW will know more in terms of the ifs and buts and maybes and, and potential kind of friendly dates for the second game in March, and also what that might mean for June. And obviously, they're not going to release that until we know more. So at least that is promising and positive in terms of what that means for Wales. So um, yeah, there you go, ladies and gents. You you probably haven't heard it here first because you're not going to listen to this t- till tomorrow. Uh, in which case, you probably already knew this. So it's not particularly breaking news, but we're excited because this never happens uh, to us. It always happens late in the day. Um, Ruth, I do want to finish with our Wrexham chat because I uh, I'm, I'm very grateful for everyone who has kind of contributed. There's a, a one more comment that we had there from Richie, I think. Yeah. So he says Wrexham. There's a lot of new players coming in from League One, which Obviously, as we were talking earlier, is starting to strengthen where they where they are. Football wasn't great up until Christmas, but there's been a big improvement, and there's now a chance for the title. I think he's optimistic, but there's a chance for the title. <laughs> but he says he'd settle for top three, uh, which which I think is is kind of that makes that makes sense to my to my mind. You know, you might as well push at this point, um, but but accept that you know a top two or three finish would actually be really good given where things were standing. Just a couple of months ago. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I couldn't agree more. And I think you know, talking about bringing in players from League One is is fantastic, really, for for the club and just the the kind of stature they've been given in the game again, which is something they deserve. I think, given it's such a big club up there, and uh, and I think it's good to see people talking about it. The crowds have been amazing. You know, it's, it's been reported on national news and, and everything. It's, it's, it's quite remarkable, really. So uh, fantastic stuff for Wrexham. So fingers crossed for them. Um, Ruth, I think we have covered all areas here. I mean, almost literally all areas, in fact. Is there, is there anything else I have I, omitted? I, I wanted to just mention a, a couple of things. I, I, I read... And again, I'm not sure how official this is, but it was starting to look like the Euros bid involving ourselves and and England, the Republic, Northern Ireland and Scotland was starting to look like it might be the only bid for 2028. So I thought that was quite interesting, not particularly got anything to to add to that. But, you know, something might be happening there just in a de facto way. Um, And while we're chatting internationals and and chatting... um, it's great to see that a C international against England has been organised again for the end for the end of the month, and, the, and I'm glad to see this time it's up in North Wales. It'll be um, in, in Carnarvon, um, so um, perhaps touch on that a, a little bit closer to to the end of the month. But just just glad to see those being scheduled again. Yeah, absolutely. It's fantastic to see that. I think we really enjoyed the game uh, that was played before. I think it might have been against England the last one, but yeah, fantastic. So. 
good to, good to see that uh, is being is being sorted out so fingers crossed more exciting stuff to come in the future that we can report on um there you go ladies and gents that really is it we've done a little bit longer than normal uh we've not actually waffled that much by our standards tonight we've been relatively concise which says <laughs> a lot um I just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who's kind of contributed in terms of messaging us with comments uh, and everything else. I think we've mentioned everyone that we tried to mention or who sent something in. So super grateful for all your thoughts uh, and comments in relation to your clubs. Uh, all the people, the podcasters and everyone else who got involved. Uh, again, a big thank you to you guys as well. So much appreciated. Thank you very much for listening. Um, I think, Ruth, our next podcast record will be likely around the squad announcement for the now-confirmed game mm-hmm. in, uh, in, in a couple of weeks. So that is very exciting and, and more stuff to look forward to. So we will speak to you all then. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye-bye.